Paradise by Encyclopedia. Chapter 1. Explore. Gentle wave breaks invade her dreams, sweeping over pristine beaches white as the fluffy clouds that hang overhead. The call of a gull stirs her enough to open her eyes, enough to catch the pool of cerulean rising and falling below her. Slowly, it builds into larger waves tumbling over themselves, spreading across the sand before retreating for another go. Ochako stares for a beat, her eyes open just slightly. Even as a denizen of the sea, the rhythmic breath of the South Pacific is mesmerising in all its shades of blue. This spot, a layered bed of rock jutting out from the lagoon towards the open sea, made it hard to move around enough to do much of anything. The cool sea spray keeps her just cool enough to counteract the way the tropical sun cooks her skin in the stone. Achako curls her tail around herself in an attempt to sleep once again. It is no use. The call of the birds overhead and the constant rolling of the waves intrude upon her thoughts. She moves the translucent pink tail flukes away from her face and stretches with some annoyance, pushing herself up from the stone and arching her back as a seal would before settling back down to look out south to the horizon. Her view is framed in rock, the outcrops of her lagoon layered and protective of the secret beach within its horseshoe shape. Water as clear as crystal and calmed by the rocks before entering, rolls up the sandbank behind her gently, delivering sand and shells with it, among other curious things on a blue moon. Behind the rock walls of the lagoon rise palm trees that sway in the southern trade winds, coaxing ripe coconuts to tumble down the rock face and split conveniently before landing within her reach. Beyond this tiny island lies the vast ocean. Sprinkled across the blue horizon, other islands, just as quiet and beautiful as her own, lie out in their mystery. They almost appear close enough to swim to, but Ochako knows better. They are many, many miles away. Too many miles for one merfolk to swim without the aid of her family, her pod. Not only that, but deep, dark channels snake between the tiny oases of coral and sand, hiding dangers in the navy shadow. The risk isn't worth it. Especially not today. Looking to her left, the sky darkens from a brilliant blue into an ominous grey. Although the storm is far off, perhaps pummeling one of those islands in the distance, its strong winds strike her now, chilling her to the bone. She shivers. Such a storm is the reason she was here. Alone. She was lucky to be alive. Lucky to have a second chance to prepare correctly this time. So, without a second thought, she quickly grabs her palm purse, a bag she'd fashioned herself out of a palm frond, before facing the water. Taking a deep breath, she dives off her rock into the water with a kaplunk. The bubbles rise back up to the surface in a hurry, but Achako stays submerged, surveying the lagoon from underneath. Seagrass and algae line much of the rocks and sand here. As secluded as it is, she knows for certain that the lagoon is not the place to ride out the storm. A few bubbles escape her mouth as she exhales tiredly, coming to the conclusion that she needs to find somewhere else to hide from the wind, rain and swells the storm was sure to bring. Fortunately, Ochako knows her island very well. Upon arriving here, she'd done a full lap around the sandy beaches, finding a sea cave on the southwest side of the island. She'd never used it before, but she'd kept it in her memory for just an occasion, no matter how much she'd dislike it. Having gotten a second lease on life, she isn't about to be ignorant or unprepared again. She is a grown merfolk, and she is going to act like it. Collecting an empty clamshell from beside her lounging rock, Ochako leaves the lagoon, 
passing by the stone pillars like an archway that leads out to the reef. Beyond the rocks, the seagrass gives way to a city of coral, their colourful towers reaching towards the sky. Achako breaks the surface once more for another breath before diving again. <sighs> Passing over green table corals, her shadow surprises a group of Anpheus fish out from their hiding places. They scatter before they circle back to include her in their school. They must think she's one of them, Ochako muses, what with their tails sharing the same brilliant hues of swirling pinks, yellows and purples, the translucent flukes sporting trailing edges. A few of the fish nip at her scales, no doubt removing unwanted hitchhikers Ochako hadn't noticed. She slows down for the fish to finish, hanging in the water column as the Anpheus perform their duty. She takes this time to scan the reef. The sun is still out, sending stripes of light dancing over the coral. She can feel the current, a slight tug that threatens to pull her out to deeper water, signalling the continued ebb of the tide. She isn't expecting any large sharks to enter at this time, but Achaka knows better than to believe the only dangers the reef harbours are big and obvious. As the Anpheus leave her, Achaka approaches a peculiar patch of sand. A number of small holes dot the bed, curling sand grains at their edges. Clams! Or so Achaka hopes. Using her empty clamshell, she digs at one of the holes, unearthing a perfectly white clam. Plucking it from the sand, she quickly drops it into her purse before digging for another and another. Foraging was easy once she'd learned the culture of the island. Every coral patch had its own community, like little neighbourhoods, and the sand patches around them were prime real estate for burrowing morsels. Still, Ochako kept her guard up. A dangerous adversary crawls along the sand without a care in the world, and Ochako knows to be cautious of him. With every sand patch she scours, she keeps a lookout. She never lets her fingers go too deeply into the sand. If she and her enemy were to go after the same clam, he'd certainly win and claim her as well if she wasn't careful. Upon the fourth sand patch, after diving from the surface with a fresh breath of air, she spots him. A flabby thing crawling slowly on the sand with a cone-shaped shell upon his back, dotted in black and white with flecks of gold where he hid his deadly stinger. The Cone Snail! Achako had watched her father deal with these before, using a clamshell to gently pick up and toss the snail elsewhere, but she didn't feel it necessary to take the risk. The snail could have his sand patch. As Achako moves on, the reef sinks deeper and the water becomes cooler, the upwelling from the deep channels between the islands bringing up cold, sun-deprived water to the shore. Now was the time to keep her head up and alert rather than down in foraging mode. The deeper blue water welcomes larger animals closer to shore, like dolphins and sharks. As she approaches the dark granite cliffs of the western side, a unicorn fish rushes by her. His green-grey body gleams with the spare rays of sunshine that snake over his skin and his long horn that erupts forward from between his eyes. He stops to hover over the rocks, regarding her for a moment before dipping his head to pluck at algae. Ochako can feel the saliva rush into her mouth, what she wouldn't give to catch him. But he's too smart. Those large eyes are focused on her, waiting for her to dart towards him. He'd be too fast, Ochako knows. She has no way of holding on to him anyway. With a slimy body, she may have opted to hold him by the tailstock if he wasn't displaying two prominent knife-like spines there. Ochako moves on. It'll be clams forever at this rate. An exhale escapes her mouth as a large bubble in the frustration of it all. It does nothing to assuage the boredom of a monocultured diet, and she follows the bubble to the surface in an effort to remove her hungry eyes from the fish toying with her. Achako forgets her limited dinner options as she notices the sky has grown darker. How many hours had she been foraging? 
Now the storm was closer. Breaking the surface tension, she exhales and then draws in a sharp breath. Even with the natural shadow cast by the towering cliffs before her, she still notices the difference in the sky, now grey and growing darker. The wind has picked up and pushes the waves into even more violent peaks by the minute. A trucker beats her tail, riding the surf as it crashes into the rocks. The landing isn't soft and she groans as another wave smacks her back and salty water rushes into her mouth, threatening to dive into her lungs. She spits and groans again. There was a reason this location was only used for emergencies. Climbing the rocks while holding her bag of clams and jeered by the ocean itself, a trucker uses all of her strength to pull herself up into the sea cave. The muscles in her shoulders and arms feel numb as she lies down on the cave floor, the strange overuse radiating through her being as she draws in breath after breath to return to some kind of comfort, despite the inhospitality of the place. The sea cave is little more than a dark crevice in the rock face, tight and sitting just above the high tide line. Waves crash harder upon the rock below, spitting seawater into the cave, leaving the floor and walls wet enough to support a slime layer of algae growth. The mermaid scrapes some of the green slime off her forearms and lets it drip from her hand onto another rock with a sickening sort of plop. She grimaces. It is going to be a long night. Settling into the bed of algae as best she can without thinking too much about it, she wraps her tail around herself in a bid for some warmth. Dark grey clouds smother the sun completely and cast the sea cave into a deep darkness that coaxes her eyelids closed into a light slumber. The rain begins and in no time it is pelting the rock face as if each drop is actually a small stone. Ripples on the surface of the ocean beyond are melded into stronger swells. Despite the cold, damp space around her, the safety of it feels cosy, and she allows herself to drift in the sound of pounding rain and waves. But the storm outside refuses to be ignored. A bolt of lightning bright as the sun makes Ochako jump out of her slumber, and the whistle of the wind through the crag keeps her awake. She groans, trying to settle deeper into the mat of seaweed slime on the cave floor, and attempt to find that cosy spot now lost. Another crack of lightning pierces the sky as if it could break it open. She jumps again, the sound reverberating through her skin to her core. It is so bright, a trucker can see clearly across the strait to the nearest island. And an object equidistant from both islands floating out in the rough surf. A trucker shakes her head, eyes scrunched tight before looking again. Despite the shiver of fear running through her memories of the other storm that put her here, her curiosity grabs her attention more. But now it is dark. She waits. The storm is right on top of her island now. All it would take to see is... Another bolt of lightning cracks across the sky, and Achako gathers all of her courage to keep her eyes open and looks for the floating object. The white bolt escapes the clouds and descends to the ocean in a loud explosion. It hits the object out on the waves in a dramatic show of power. A fire is left like a smouldering scar from where the lightning had struck, leaving a bright orange glow out there for Ochako to track. With every lightning strike, Ochako can see the object better and better. A wooden hull now on fire. White sails torn by the wind. Glass windows reflecting the storm's rage as it sends wind and rain to batter the planet beneath. A ship. Ochako recognises the object as a ship. An object that always meant one thing. Humans are coming. She doesn't realise she'd moved to the edge of the cave entrance to get a better look, 
and upon her discovery quickly shrinks back inside. Humans meant trouble. Always. Except, right now she figures their greatest concern is getting the fire under control, or perhaps not taking on too much water, or perhaps avoiding rogue waves that reach out like the tentacles of a kraken to drag them under. They wouldn't notice her from so far away. The orange glow from the fire dances in the black space between lightning bolts. With each light show, she watches as the situation on the ship becomes more and more dire. Even from so far away, she can tell the fire is only getting more wild, and the ship, getting tossed around as it is, would eventually sink. She felt a twinge of guilt. It was true she was a better swimmer than a human, but she had no desire to put herself in harm's way for them. Swimming in those swells was a death sentence for anyone, even a fish. How could they not have known this storm was coming? Then again, there had been a time when she had been that careless. Her whole pod had been. They thought they could beat the storm. They could make the trek, and then hunker down. She shook the memory away. Achaka knew better now, but at what cost? It would be the same for these humans. If any of them survived, perhaps then they could learn that same hard lesson. Perhaps. The orange glow suddenly disappears into the blackness. It is so quick! Achako jumps up onto her arms to look closer. It's no use. With another bolt of lightning, the light only reveals the empty strait. There is nothing left, and Achako settles back down onto the mat of slimy algae still staring out at the raging waves, waiting for the ship to make a surprise reappearance from the murk. But it doesn't. It's gone. The far-off call of gulls on the wind stirs Ochako from her sleep that next morning. Stretching, she groans as the cold, damp feeling of slime enters her consciousness. With the storm past, she grabs her untouched pouch of clams and scuttles out of the sea cave, diving into the crystal clear waters below. Back to sand, sun and salt! She hits the surface with a loud splash. The bubbles rise, and she's greeted by the sunlit reef in the distance, its beauty a mosaic of colours through the blue. She swims out towards it with every intention to eat her haul of clams from yesterday on her favourite perch back at the lagoon. However, as she swims along, she sees the evidence of the storm on the reef. Broken coral heads. The scarcity of fish. Bits and pieces of foreign debris. The ship! The memory comes into focus as Ochako inspects a large plank of wood not from any tree she'd ever seen nestled between broken coral wedges. As she swims on, the evidence of the sunken ship becomes ever more apparent. Objects she'd never seen before rock in the current upon the white sand beneath her. Unsurprisingly, she isn't the only curious inspector this morning. In the distance, she sees the unicorn fish nipping at something lying on the sand, and she bats him away with a Shoo! Shoo! Startled, the oval-shaped fish heeds her request and darts away over the coral as Ochako takes a closer look. The object is rectangular in shape, and upon touching it, she can tell it's bound in a strong, thick material that feels smooth to the touch, like the hide of a dolphin. Ochako isn't sure what it is at first, but she picks it up anyway to bring it back to her lagoon. That, and a few other interesting objects that deserve a closer inspection.
Once back at her favourite rock, Otrako isn't sure what to make of the objects. She recognises some as similar items her family had collected over the years. A spoon. A small clock cloaked in gold. And she knows the off-white sheets between the animal hide is paper. There's also a lock on the binding, holding it closed, and no matter how much she pulls, she's unable to loosen it enough to peek inside. After fighting with it for a spell, Otrako gives up, lying limp on her rock with a pout on her face. She knows that humans scribble on paper all the time. What could be written there? Her pod had become accustomed to humans in their waters and had even begun learning their words. Ochako herself had found enough paper let loose from ships to be able to decipher it some. But even if she couldn't, she still would have enjoyed whatever awful depictions of wildlife were sure to be within the animal hide binding. But nay, she can't get it open. So she sets it aside and turns to her next order of business, breakfast. She basks on the large rock on her stomach, cracking open her own delicious treasures from the afternoon prior. The clams had kept themselves shut tight all night and are still fresh enough to eat. Shattering the shell upon the stone, she parts the meat from the shell and swallows it whole, then tosses the empty shells over the side to sink to the sand below. She stops suddenly before smacking the next unfortunate clam into the rock. Movement in her periphery halts her, and she turns her head to get a good look. She knows there are no large animals on this beach. The largest would be a gull, if memory serves. But it's not. The creature is sitting in the surf, facing the horizon, but its limbs are too long and spindly to be anything but... A human! Ochako isn't sure how she'd missed him. Then again, she hadn't been paying quite as much attention to the shore as she had been the lost objects underwater. Had he seen her? The question pierces through her chest and she stops breathing for a second to consider the possibility she may be in grave danger. If he had seen her, she's doomed. Or so she'd been told. It was common knowledge amongst her podmates and family that humans are bad news. There was a reason merfolk hid from humans, even at the expense of the best islands and reefs. Generational storytelling told of entire pods of merfolk killed by humans with extreme prejudice, and no one was brave enough to test the validity of such stories. It had always been better to just move on. Except that fateful night. Atraco shakes her head. He hadn't seen her. If he had, he'd already be on her tail, wouldn't he? Instead, he's looking out towards the horizon. A mat of curly, green hair covers much of his head like pesky kelp, to the point that a trucker can barely see his wide eyes. His clothes look wet and hang off him in wrinkles. The white, long-sleeved shirt under his brown vest looks as if it swallows him. His trousers are torn, his shoes are missing, and Ochako can tell he isn't sure where to start as his body expands and shrinks with heavy, worried sighs. She knows he must have been on the ship that sank the night before, and now he's here alone, just like her. Ochako watches for a beat, keeping her eyes trained on him as she slips into the water behind her rock as quietly as possible. Just because he's alone doesn't mean much. He's still a human, and if he sees her, well, that's the end of her. So, she simply watches. He eventually gets up from his spot in the surf and walks back towards the forest of palms. For what, she isn't sure. Over the course of the day, he disappears and returns to the beach, back and forth, and Ochako can't make heads or tails about what he's trying to accomplish. She keeps away, though, opting to peruse the island's southeast side for food in an effort to put distance between herself and the newcomer. Despite all she tells herself, though, she can't help but return to the edge of her rock to peek over the side at him. He's clumsy. 
She catches him stumbling in the sand, dropping what she guesses are materials for him to build something, and it becomes even worse in the water. It's clear his long legs aren't fashioned for swimming, and she holds in a giggle as she watches him flounder about in the surf. So many of his dives seem fruitless too, and Achako isn't sure if he's meaning to come up for breath so often, or if he just can't hold it for any significant amount of time. He's kind of pathetic. She wonders if all humans are like this, and, if so, how could they earn the fearsome reputation she'd learned over her whole life? This one, at least, might just get himself killed before the day is through. Still, he's charming. No matter how much he fails, he keeps trying at his tasks. By the end of the day, as the sun sinks into the horizon, staining the sky orange in its wake, he seems to have found exactly one clam and has learned to crack open a few coconuts that had fallen during the storm. As she watches him sit lonely on the beach with his poultry hall, she feels herself drawn to him, a tug of feeling she isn't familiar with aimed towards a human. He's hunched over in the sand and no doubt frustrated with the way he forcefully tosses the empty clamshells back into the sea. She shouldn't care whether he survives, yet she admits that she does. This island is unforgiving all alone. If the first storm hadn't dragged him down into the dark blue depths of the strait between her island and the next, a second one is sure to find another way. Ochako bites her bottom lip in indecision. What if he's harmless? What if he's not? Even a snail harbors a spike laced with venom. Though humans are pretty weak without their weapons, and this one doesn't seem to have much more than two legs to stand on. Guilt roils inside her. She can pinpoint those feelings of desolation on his face now, even from a distance. His eyes are wide and he shivers in the oncoming darkness. Ochako doesn't want to watch him die, not if she could help it. He's a strange creature in a strange land out of the most unfortunate of circumstances. The storm had taken everything but his life from him, and it isn't clear yet if that was an act of mercy or cruelty. Perhaps it would only be cruel if she decides to ignore him, and in that way, Ochako feels as if the storm had been more cruel to her. If the human turned out to be as dangerous as she'd been told, then fate had doomed her by her own feelings. Ochako doesn't want to be stupid, but the nagging want to help trumps the generations of horror stories told by the ghosts of her ancestors. She figures she can do this in a smart manner. She can hide from his view and become somewhat of an invisible guardian. Yes, Ochako decides that's the plan. After all, if she keeps herself hidden in the waves, then nothing can go wrong. Right? Ochako slips away from her rock and under the surface to grab her pouch of clams from the seafloor. Keeping them underwater has kept them fresh all day, and although she'd love nothing more than to eat them herself, she knows her human charge hasn't eaten anything but coconut meat and a clam all day in the broiling tropical sun. She leaves herself two clams on her rock before diving, swimming out to the reef as the sun descends down into the horizon for the night. By the time she reaches the shore, the human has retreated just to the edge of the forest, his back to the waves as he tries to remove a palm frond from a stack he'd made earlier that day. Ochako comes up in the next wave, her heart pounding as she empties the pouch of clams right where he'd been sitting, then darts back into the sea. She slaps the surface hard with her tail flukes to get his attention before disappearing into the blue. Surfacing behind her rock back at the lagoon, she shakily lifts herself up onto the rock, the dark now sure to hide her form. 
She watches as the human stands at the edge of the surf, looking out towards the horizon searching for the source of the loud splash. He's already holding the clams in his arms and the look of knowing in his face, the knowing that some other intelligent creature had delivered those delectable morsels to him, is clear in the stern way his brows frame his eyes. Ochako ducks down, heart still racing from the near encounter. And yet, it's so exhilarating. And entertaining. He looks so confused that she giggles to herself quietly, hiding the sound in the water. She looks again, lifting herself up out of the water and over the rock to watch him some more. He's begun walking back to his pile of fronds in the forest, and he settles down with a large rock to crack the live clams open. He's unskilled in it, but eventually gets them open. The sound of shells succumbing to a heavy stone echoes through the twilight. He seems to squirm a bit as the raw flesh slides down his throat, but Ochako finds it almost endearing how unaccustomed he is to her way of life. There is hope for him yet, and that made her smile.